Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Swithin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss, are Oliver Cromwell and Ayn Rand right about Santa Claus? Tim, what on earth is this about? Well, with Christmas coming up, I thought it'd be interesting to do a quote-unquote holiday-themed episode. And Ayn Rand is famous, somewhat famous, for liking Christmas. Uh, she celebrated Christmas and she viewed it as a sort of celebration of capitalism and consumerism. Uh, even though that her parents were like secular Jews from Russia, um, she uh, used the joyous giving uh, where and every place got beautifully decorated. And this is all. This is from an article on uh, the Ayn Rand Institute. Um, the best action. This is this is this is Ayn Rand. Um, the best aspect of Christmas is the aspects usually described decried by the mystic. The fact that Christmas has been commercializing the gift buying the gift buying stimulates an enormous outspring of inju- inju- ingenuity in the creation of products devoted to a single purpose to give man pleasure. Um, uh, so so she was quite um, fond of Christmas, and I always thought that was interesting. Now, interestingly, there's another group of people who have the opposite view of Christmas. But in a way, the same view as Ayn Rand, um, just much older. And that's the sort of Cromwell, Calvin, the Puritans in general. It's not quite clear, but Christmas was probably not celebrated in early America in any meaningful sense. People like now, whether Cromwell actually did cancel Christmas in Britain, had the ability to do so in Parliament is of some question here. Um, so we can get, get into more of that here. But but, um, you know, there's certain versions of the Protestants viewed uh, uh, Christmas is a kind of Catholic, made, a made-up holiday. It was a heritage from the Roman Festivus tradition, and just full of a drunken orgy and 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 feasting and and getting um and and uh, decadence and, and a lot of other negative words you could throw at it. That's invented by the pagans and stuff. It's some sort of winter season. That's the general Catholic view, and the Protestant, certain Puritan Protestants. Uh, you know, would say, oh, Christ never was a part of Christmas. So I thought it would be interesting here to see if if Swithin or anyone uh, here and see what the general position of Christmas is. You know, what is to be made of Christmas? Um, now it's kind of a consumer holiday. You can celebrate it even places like China, which is sort of a communist, post-capitalist dictatorship of some variety. If that, if that even counts, you'll hear, you know, if you go there, you'll see Disney, you'll see your Christmas songs being played in malls. You'll see Christmas trees and things of that matter. You'll see this in other countries. You'll see this in Taiwan. You'll see this in Japan. You'll see you'll see the, the Rudolph, the, the Santa Claus thing. Uh, 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 and these are in non-Christian countries. So to, in a way, the Santa Claus, Rudolph type Christmas thing has gone around the world. Whether or not Christianity has, clearly it has not. Um, um, so I, I thought it'd be interesting here to talk about Christmas. I, I, I have some of a neutral view on Christmas um, at this point. Um, as a kid, I liked it a lot, but I think a lot of it is just people are off from school. It's a sort of jailbreak holiday. Um, 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 that I liked it as a kid. I did believe in Santa Claus as a kid up to some point, um, but 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 I'm not I'm not entirely sure. So but but to move on to that, go back to this question, Swithin. Is is Cromwell? I mean, this is the more intellectual, academic point, right about Christmas. Well, we might get to if you want to hit Ayn Rand there too, but you have some interesting articles and points to make, Swithin. Well, with respect to Cromwell and uh, the festivities that took place at Christmas during his time in the 17th century, he may have been alive slightly earlier. Um, they, 
it could well have been the case. Now, I'm not a huge historical expert at that time period that uh, the Christ is wearing Christmas was not too obvious and that it was a um, it was just a time. It's just a, basically an, an excuse for a feast day and revelry and things, as you've um, outlined. It, it is certainly true that there were historic uh, pagan festivals which took place uh, around um, sort of quote unquote Christmas time. That seems to certainly have been the case. So uh, Saturnalia being the um, most famous from, from the Roman period. Um, the question is whether or not the Christians started celebrating it just because, oh, it was a hangover and they sort of like, oh, Christianized uh, Saturnalia or other sort of pagan festivals, or whether or not they actually had a distinct reason for celebrating as a Christian festival. Um, on this note, there's an interesting um, article uh, called The Myth of Pagan Christmas uh, by Tom Holland, who argues that the main reason um, that the Christians started celebrating on that day uh, was because in the um, what they the Christian scholars drawing on the um, various sort of Jewish traditions and things had, had come to the idea that Jesus uh, was um, was incarnated on the 25th of March. Now, the argument for this was essentially this. Well, that's when he died and there was somehow fitting that he would die on his uh, as it were his his incarnation. It wasn't his birthday because he wouldn't have been because he wasn't born, but when he was sort of assumed, as it were. Um, and, and that and that for various reasons be, would be the, the date that he would have died. And they identified as the 25th of March. So based basically on a nine month pregnancy, you go back and you go, oh, wait, well, hang on. That means um, so, so he's um, assumed on the 25th of March and that he's born on the 25th of December. Um, I've also heard arguments as well from other sources that um, based on was it based on, the, on what they thought was the conjunction of Jupiter, uh, which was supposed to, which was uh, supposed to be the star that the wise men for the East followed, was another reason why it was the 25th. So there definitely seems to be independent um, reason for um, the Christians to have a festival on that date. Um, now, whether it was sort of accepted by the, the locals as a festival on that date because it was just when they normally had such a festival is another question. But this certainly does seem to be different. And additionally, Tom Holland makes a, a, a distinct as point here with respect to Athelstan, who was um, I believe at least one of the first, if not the first um, English, the ruler of a large part of England. And one thing that he was required to do, he he, he did on uh, that sort of Christmas in um, 932 was that um, he would he gave lots of land grants and he made sure the poor didn't go without shelter and um, and sort of arms. Um, because he saw it as his, his, uh, his duty. So, for instance, as a quote, um, my wish is that you should always provide the destitute with food. Uh, he very much had a concern for the, well, at least officially, a much greater concern for the poor than you would typically get in, say, uh, Roman festivals. Now, there may have been an upending of hierarchy to some extent on Saturnalia and other sort of festivals, but it would go back to the natural order of things, as it were, uh, after um after the feast day but this but the the way at least as tom holland argues it alphastan had a very much more of a 
a concept that the the rich, for instance, had very much a greater obligation to the poor and needy than you would get traditionally in sort of Roman society. I have heard it argued uh, in the past that sort of the problem of the poor is primarily a Christian invention in a sense, because prior to that, no one particularly cared. So there do seem to be good grounds for thinking that the reason Christ uh, Christmas became a um, sort of Christian festival isn't just um, isn't just because it would took over from Saturnalia, but rather there were independent grounds for doing so. And then it sort of had a like a, as a, a Christmas feast, as it were. And again, it would make sense as a feast day because it was, it was the birth of Jesus. So that you know, second only to sort of Easter. So, I mean, theologically, it makes sense. Um, so I don't think it is just uh, that now. As to how it was celebrated and, you know, why it was celebrated in particular ways, then yes, possibly that was uh, revelry and sort of the lords of misrule and things. So in my readings before, it's like the idea of Father Christmas original. Well, one of the first um, references to him is from Ben Johnson in the 17th century, um, an old man who's sort of like behind is organising all the basic drunkenness and various things at Christmas. He's um, a sort of old fatherly figure. Um, so that would I'd, I'd say about the um, sort of historical Christian aspects of it. Now, the question is whether it's um, so the consumerism, as you, you point out, uh, you know, is, is it today or how much was it ever celebrated solely as a sort of like a Christian festival? Or is it just a, an excuse for sort of quote unquote consumerism? Um, well, in one sense, I would say that one of the problems with uh, the consumerism at Christmas is in a sense that it is not consumeristic enough. Now, what do I mean? Um, well, what's I'm very interested theologically from the uh, from Christmas is the affirmation that the material, the human, the flesh, as it were, is good, because otherwise Jesus wouldn't have been incarnated in a body. Uh, you know, he would just be a spirit. You know, it, so it's clear in the Christian theology that um, um, so the, the idea that you get from some of like the dualists is the material isn't bad. The material is kind of good. Uh, it's just that it's it's corrupted in various ways. And following on from that, uh, this is this is later than sort of Christmas as such, that um, you have the, the death and physical resurrection of Jesus, again, physicality. And then you have the creation of new heavens and new earth. Revelation 21. Uh and um, again, Christian theology, at least as I think traditionally understood, has a very strong emphasis on the importance of the physical. And so in a sense, then, I don't think that the consumerism per se is, is a bad thing um, uh, per se. In a sense, like wanting lots of food and drink at Christmas is kind of a bit lame in comparison to having a new heaven and new earth. Um, and I think that's... Um, a way I would sort of channel that, as it were, if you could consider it as like as a, as a Christianization of contemporary consumerism. Um, so, if from my perspective, you know, consumerism as such, as it were, around Christmas is absolutely fine. You just need to remember what is, as it were, the ultimate consumer gift. Now, obviously, it's not consumer in the sense it would generally be used as consumer, 
Um, but taking that in mind, I think it's absolutely fine. I mean, actually, Rand's uh, looking at stuff called Rand as why she liked Christmas was basically an aesthetic thing. She thought that, you know, things were decorated beautifully and people took care and pride in what they produced. And I think, well, yeah, that's, that's clearly good. And so, so in a way, the reasons Rand liked Christmas, I agree with her in a sense. Um, so I suppose I may have some idiosyncratic view uh, with respect to Christmas. But um, I, I kind of think that um, Rand is, I, I, I think the Puritan and certain Protestants uh, have mis underplay the importance of sort of the physical and the material and i think that covers their view of christmas and other sort of uh feast day type thing so th those would be my sort of broad overall um thoughts to begin with before i retouch the consumer point i want to make a redefense of the puritans and the calvinists here with respect to christmas i think there's a certain sense which and I'm sympathetic to, I think there's a certain sense which uh, the Christians, the, the Puritans, uh, are, believe in some kind of angry God. You get, you know, the Edwards guy, sinners in the hand of an angry God. Um, and they just view these certain holidays as incompatible with, um, you know, this sort of feasting and drunkenness. Of course, the heirs of the Puritans created prohibition and things like that matter, or various other sects like that. We've discussed this on the show as well. Um um, so I think I think from their reading of and, I, and that's actually to some extent my reading in a sense of in, in particularly certain aspects of the Old Testament here um, um, and sort of the Paul's testaments here, the, the Pauline stuff. Um, uh, I think they view it sort of as fundamentally angry. You know, Peter Thiel and T. Wright had a little interesting conversation. He said that Peter Thiel commented, the trouble is when the opposite sides, the culture wars, agree on things like God is really angry. So, of course, his son would be kind of angry. And, you know, why? how could you have a holiday like this joyous here? Because Easter, in a way, is a much more dour holiday, at least most of it leading up to it. Uh, Easter itself is joyous, but uh, even, even there – in a way, the Puritans have a habit of turning everything to dour occasions here, uh, for better or for worse here. Um, um, so I, I, I think I think that would be my defense of it. With, res uh, with respect to consumerism, uh, I, I do think it's interesting because you get these somewhat left-wing Christians and certain versions of right-wing Christians who criticize capitalism who will make the same point. They just don't like all the buying. They don't like all the presents. They don't like all the consumer spending. Uh, as far as that point is concerned, I'm, I'm sympathetic to both sides here. I think there are uh, fine people on both sides here of this issue. Uh, I do think middle class and above families probably have – again, I sound like – they have a lot of stuff. They have a lot of cheap stuff. I, 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 kids – I sound – I think kids uh, – you know, one of the troubles with having too many cheap toys is kids don't really care about them per se. I have that – I've noticed that experience generally – um, um, so I do I do think present giving there's a sort of upper bound to pre it's like a U curve where you have really cheap gifts that are great or really expensive gifts. You get in the middle of the curve it gets sort of weird. Um, um, so you know you sort of have to be you should have to be it's a constantly you have to increase the dosage of presents to get the same effect. So I do think present giving can get tricky here. Um, and present giving also we just talk a lot about economics here is also interesting because. Gifts, in a way, have a, you know, gifts that aren't exactly equal are, in a way, a form of patronage or spoilage, depending on what you think. Um, um, so, you know, parents will, you know, 
who parents will give gifts or, to their children here, but in a way it's like a capital investment almost, or like uh, patronizing the, you know, or grandparents will give uh, to their, their, or spoiling in a way. Um, so I do, I do think there are some interesting dilemmas uh, at, at play here with, with um, gift giving. Um, and I think if you sort of go back to pe- many people's first point, principle ethical positions, um, certain aspects can be dodgy. So Swithin, what do you make of my, what do you make of uh, my um, redefense of the Puritans here, my dower point, as well as the general uh, gift giving thing with respect to consumer consumerism? Um, do they do the critics of consumerism have a point, or do you think um, you think Ayn Rand is right here? Well, I think that um, with the um, presence and things, I mean, yes, you can clearly go overboard, and uh, clearly you've got to sort of um, there are certain people who go into massive amounts of debt at Christmas. Uh, because they try and spend way more than they can afford to spend. And uh, as ever, there's the possibility uh, to get to have sort of the vice of excess, as it were, uh, me wanting to go to my golden mean again uh, here. And I think if you could argue a lot of people do go uh, to excess, especially sort of financially, and um, they um, buy things they don't need or they don't really want. And the interesting thing with children is, um, I thought the point you were going to make economics is the idea that you shouldn't ever sort of give people gifts. What you should do is sort of give them money so they buy things they want because the probability that they're going to buy something, they, they'll probably like something they buy themselves more than some, something that someone bought for them because they will buy things that they like. Well, they'll have more information about what they would like than somebody else does. And therefore, let me, so let me quickly respond to that. I was I was going to make that point. Tyler Cowan 100% agrees with you that point that you give them money. But Tyler Cowan sometimes has interesting debates with himself here. And one of the response that I liked about he made was that, um, and this is sort of like the benefits of gift giving is you don't exactly, it's hard to know about the exact price of the good, although you can sort of guess, as well as it sort of it hides the layers of sort of crass economic exchange. Because like I said, gift giving that's imbalanced here. Like, so if you give a gift that's, if you, if you give an Apple, an iPhone 13, and you, all you get, you, all you gave them was a $20 gift card, is a huge imbalance here. So, you know, you know, there's a certain economic inefficiency, so to speak, to gift giving that's balanced. Because why not just keep the money? Why buy, go out and, why go out and find a $1,000 good to make up for the thousand dollar good to get back to you. I do think there's a sort of quote unquote economic efficiency, but that sort of uh, is sort of the nature of human relations here. But that, that'd be my quick response there. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, no. The, uh, yeah, I, I actually agree. I, I don't actually think that the, the giving money is actually a good idea per se, uh, because I think it um, it ignores the value of somebody thinking to get something for you that they you, that uh, you think they will like and there's the anticipation you don't know what necessarily what it's going to be um and so there is value to that and also when you give money for instance that's something that they can choose to spend on something they want or they could just save it of course giving a physical object is actually sort of a gift and a lot of sort of uh, some christian leftists and marxists talk about gift economies and things and at least psychologically, it seems that if you some buy someone a gift, you're sort of like psychologically in their debt. You're already indebted to the, the gift giver. And it, it can and it improves sort of social bonds over and above what would 
be a purely sort of financial transaction. So I think gift giving is kind of good. That said, of course, people can buy bad gifts and it is helpful if people produce lists of general ideas and things. So you get so you have kind of guidance as to what they should get you, but not something exactly there. So you know what you definitely know what you're going to get. So there's some like middle ground between, oh, yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but it's probably going to be good. Um, that seem, seems to and, and then seems to be good. So that's a, a good middle ground. And plus it sort of builds sort of social bonds uh, in the way that gifts seem to do. Whether they should do that's another question. It just seems to be the fact that they do do that. Um, could you could you just remind me very briefly of your defense of the Puritans? Because I've kind of been off track on the, the consumerism stuff. The Puritans, and this is, I get this from Peter Thiel and N.T. Wright uh, conversation here. The Puritans just have a dour view of angry view. Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Oh, it's not, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, the, uh, Christmas seems, if your view of Christ and God is basically angry, the whole idea of Christmas is clearly abiblical, if not unbiblical. Uh, oh, uh, with yeah. respect to that. That makes sense. I mean, that, that does make sense. Um, but I, I think that's sort of a misreading of the Old Testament to a large extent. Uh, I mean, so, for, for instance, um, a lot of now I'm not defending prosperity gospel type stuff, but they do. They would tend to point to men of the Old Testament who are men of God and they're blessed by God with physical stuff. I mean, a good example is Job. Job is an astonishingly rich man. Even if you think he's a um, sort of an allegorical figure and not necessarily literally historical, that's irrelevant really for the point here. The point is, well, he's a man of God and he, he gives loads of sheep and he owns loads of stuff and he's blessed after the end of his sort of the trials of Job. Um, so the the idea that um, God doesn't sort of like give sort of graciously and abundantly sort of like in the Old Testament uh, before is sort of... Um, is I, I think a misreading uh, of it and, and it's very much a, a narrow focus and actually does relate to them theologically. One of the problems I think with a lot of sort of reform types is they very they, they seem to start everything, their their view of the world on the fall. That's it. The, the fall is West is is the beginning. It's like kind of a few chapters before that in Genesis when stuff is made good. Uh, and so I, I think, again, not to go to golden mean stuff again. In the Bible, there's very much the idea of God graciously giving uh, abundantly to his people. Uh, I mean, the idea was Israel was supposed to be like the land of, of um, you know, this great land of milk and honey. I think that's the right term. Um, you know, this great place where God would bless his people. Um, and, abundant. And, and that's kind of the thing that you wouldn't think that sort of the sinner in the anger, the angry, angry God would, would necessarily do. But um, I think it's the idea really that um, you get very much a God in the Bible is very extreme uh, insofar as you, 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 could, you could view him as extremely gracious and um, and beneficent in certain respects, but also extremely sort of uh, austere and um, and mm, vengeance is probably unfair, but very much focused on justice, as it were, uh, and sort of like punishing the sinner. And I, I, and I think that you get both biblically. And I think. The reform types and the Puritans tend to err on focusing not just on sort of like the punishment aspect and not kind of on the grace stuff. Although, although to be the fact, they'll go on about the theology of grace all the time, but it kind of never really seems that they enjoy anything. They just seem, well, apart from uh, apart from sort of uh, immiserating themselves. 
that's where they sort of get the joy. So uh, so theologically, that's where I'd say the um, the problem with certain aspects, certain not all, but certain sort of views of sort of certain reform figures and Puritan uh, Puritan ish figures can do. So one of the words being included here, I, I would agree here and to some extent, and one of the wor- the p- p- characters being included here was Santa Claus in our title. Uh, what is to be made of Santa Claus here? Um, uh, you get the classic line, you know, it's a, you know, you see on these posters here. At least I imagine they're in Britain to Jesus is the reason for the season or something, something like that. Um, um, and again, I've always in the back of my head ever since I've heard about the fact that the Puritans sort of viewed Christmas as a decadent Catholic holiday. I always chuckled when I saw that because like maybe it was never about it. But um, I can see both sides of this argument here. Um, but what do you make about Santa Claus? You've, you've read a little bit into the history of it. Where did he come from here? Um, and, you know, should people believe in him? I'll make a quick aside before you get where the come the come from aspect. But uh, uh, Slavoj Zizek, you know, there's an obscure clip of him on the Internet. A while back when I was working for a more boring job, I used to listen to a lot of different thinkers. And the, I listened to all the works of Zizek here. And one of them's discussion was on Santa Claus here. And Santa Claus, interestingly enough, for Zizak is sort of a thing where well, everyone's a cynic here at some point. The kids believe in Santa Claus because because they want to get presents. The, the parents want to believe in the, the Santa Claus because they want to give them presents. And also Santa Claus is a sort of means of control. You, I mean, I, if you go to the mall or you go to any restaurant, you'll hear there'll be no Christmas or Santa Claus won't come. Or you'll get coal in your stockings. Um, so there's an old way that Santa Claus functions as a reward system and it's sort of again a way to uh give gifts here it's an occasion for giving gifts but before we get, get into those points about should we believe in santa claus um where did santa claus come from is he i mean how did we get how did we get him did it start out with some like saint nicholas character yeah santa claus does start with saint nicholas uh, just as an aside in england for instance we tend to call him father christmas as opposed to santa claus although in more recent years, the American culture and imperialism would mean he's more sort of Santa Claus now um, than Father Christmas as such. Uh, but as I mentioned before, Father Christmas is this sort of old figure who organised revelries, comes from sort of like, um, uh, well, at least recorded one of the earliest ones from Ben Johnson's uh, Ben Johnson play in the early 17th century. The Santa Claus who later comes uh, in sort of a 19th century, that's really, the late 19th century is sort of where the sort of tradition is sort of cemented that we sort of have now um, originates from, as you said, St. Nicholas. Um, and um, there was, um, so you have the legend of uh, Sinterklaas, uh, St. Nicholas. And according to English Heritage um, article on this, that uh, St. Nicholas was a fourth century Greek bishop from Myra, um, noted, I think, for punching an Aryan heretic um in uh, one of the councils uh and he, he's associated with a wide variety of miracles apparently what he resurrected three years after being murdered and p- pickled in a barrel by an innkeeper uh apparently as well he um gave um dowries to a poor man to prevent his selling his own daughters into slavery um uh, apparently so, so he, he under the cover of darkness he threw three bags of gold down the chimney and the gold landed in their stockings which were drying by the fire and then throughout the uh, Middle Ages, uh, St. Nicholas's fame spreads um, throughout uh, continental Europe. So in um, Germany and I think also in Holland, 
there's the idea of like Nicholas Tard, Nicholas's Day, where the, the gifts are left for children on the 6th of December. Um, and this is the sort of origin of sort of like the gift giving uh, type stuff. And then um, I think the um, Americans then sort of change sort of um, St. Nicholas into sort of um, Santa Claus. According uh, quotes here, in 1773, the Rivington Gazette, Gazetta in New York reported that the anniversary of St. Nicholas, otherwise called St. Claus, had recently been marked by a great number of the sons of that ancient saint. And so that's kind of where St. Claus sort of um, comes from. And then the argument here is he then gets his beard and uh, all these other accoutrements in the 19th century where um the victorian people and, and again so similarly culturally in certain respects in america um you were trying to sort of domesticate christmas christmas is more towards like a family orientated and more towards children um rather than sort of adults sort of revelry and drunkenness and debauchery etc and uh, so then became sort of like fat or uh, old uh, sort of jolly old grandfatherly figure um and um if, and I say he kind of comes over into England and Father Christmas kind of gets merged with St. Nicholas. And then you get the the standard sort of view of sort of uh, Father Christmas in England, as it were, from sort of like the, the, the Victorian era, which is a way of sort of like making Christmas sort of like more family friendly, effectively. Um, and that's sort of the um, the general sort of. Uh, well, this is consistent with a lot of things I've read before. So that just seems to be sort of like consistent with the um, view of what's well, a way of of looking at where he came from, which seems to be reasonably accurate. So that's sort of the um, the uh, idea. Um, so as to when he started dri- dropping presents on the 25th of uh, well, the 24th of December rather than um, the 25th, apparently that starts the dropping on the 25th comes from an old anonymous illustrated poem in the US, Old Santa Claus with Much Delight. Um, and this is when he gets his red coat and reindeer and sleigh from eighteen twenty one this is, and then he just somehow appears on Christmas Eve. Now, as to why he comes on Christmas Eve, probably because it um, links nicely with sort of Christmas. And again, it's a way of bringing this nice child-friendly aspect to the Christmas day itself, as opposed to that being on the, oh, oh, the day of St. Nicholas uh, day on the success of the kids, all the good stuff for the adults on the 25th. So that's a general overview. As far as belief in Santa Claus is concerned, um, should, you know, I'm agnostic with Christian leanings to some extent, to, more extent to some ways, but um, uh, should Christians teach their children in Santa Claus? Is this a, is this a dangerous precedent to, to do? Is the belief in Santa Claus fundamentally weird? Uh, weird as in strange. I mean, this guy lives in the North Pole. He flies around. One of the things that the politically correct crowd will point out is that, um, um, you know, quote unquote, poor people can't believe in Christmas because everyone knows that uh, it's your parents who buys them since they don't get as nice of gifts. Um, that's a point that sort of left wing Christians types will make with respect to uh, 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 Santa Claus um, here. So I'm sort of interested in that. Will the politically correct people? come from Santa Claus. I think they eventually will come from Santa Claus or try to uh, go after him and or change him um, in a way. But um, um, that that's another sort of interesting in there. 
So Swithin, you know, should people teach? I mean, what, what's your own experience that? What is your experience um, in, in, you know, in the broader society? As much you want to give or not give out? Well, when it comes to farmers, uh, I'm not necessarily go out of my way to inculcate belief in that in my children. Um, I they get the idea that he might be real, uh, which is perfectly fine. I, I don't particularly mind. Um, I suppose from a parental view is the question of whether it sort of, as it were, constitutes a lying. Um, although whether you could argue it's some sort of like enacted sort of um, theatrical sort of performance of Christmas as such is, a, is, a, is another question. So is, is believing kind of weird? I suppose from a modern perspective, believing in someone like that is weird. But I think historically, I think that would have been less so. Because, um, you know, you have the idea of spirits and nymphs and fairies and things which are relatively widely believed i think it's um only seems particularly strange in the concept of uh, in in the context of scientific materialism that's when he becomes fundamentally strange otherwise oh yeah this guy comes from christmas fine uh i mean to take an, another view there was the mindset of it I think it's just true i listened to in the context of the medieval period there was these weird, strange creatures that people claim they saw. And the first response to this wasn't, well, did they exist? But rather, were they human? So should we evangelize them? That was kind of like uh, the, 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 the response. It wasn't you know, whether they in fact existed. So this sort of general skepticism for sort of the, um, I don't want to say supernatural, but beyond sort of the normal uh, is very much, I think, a sort of post- 18th 19th century uh concern more than anything else so swithin you're calling santa claus an alien (laughs) well oh well well the interesting thing you say that is aliens are the acceptable form of sort of like the supernatural as an aside we we discussed it a number of times uh, alex jones alex jones basically believes that the elites are satanists and well basically are aided by demons but he no longer calls them demons anymore. He now calls them interdimensional aliens because that has more credence because, as it were, science fiction has a lot more um, credence with modern contemporary man than does sort of supernatural, you could sound like horror fiction, as it were, despite horror fiction being quite popular anyway. Um, so, yes, you could consider him in, yeah, in, in kind of the, the, the contemporary worldview, yeah, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, is very much best viewed as an alien more than anything else. Uh, I, I do think that's true. Um, hey, on, he flies. He flies around. Um, he has elves. It, it matches the description to some extent. Yeah, yeah, and you could say he's sort of like a time traveler as well because he does everything in this short period of time. Where everyone, it, it appears to us to be a short period of time, but actually maybe a long period of time for him um, because he can get around and do everything. Because uh, obviously he goes around the entire world and gives everyone presents. So, yeah, he, he's an interesting figure um, in, in that respect. But I'd say that um, children, like, you could argue that children have a somewhat pantheistic view of the world innately. They seem to see um, personhood and sort of... Um, everywhere in the world rather than oh it's just matter in motion it has some sort of like genuine sort of um 
being. So the idea that, oh, we could be this, this guy out there who is doing all the stuff is kind of not that unreasonable. So, for instance, children will make make uh, faces out of everything because give them sort of like a personality. So you get like your your chips and your, you know, I don't know if you have fish fingers in America or things like that. And they, they like turn it into a face. Or you give children like um, chips, which are basically shaped in faces. Yeah. The very much the idea that um, everything in the world is kind of personal, and it's out and things that are out there that uh, exist, which uh, are sort of like beyond human, but have some like personal element to them, isn't entirely unreasonable, at least from a child perspective. And the, the, the child generally deals in fictions all the time in sort of play and things. So it's. Um, I don't think it's necessarily an unhealthy belief, um, not one that I don't think the parents necessarily should go all out to inculcate and believe is literally true. Um, but I, I don't see that. I don't see it per se as any sort of, sort of problem. And if anything, it's probably quite healthy in certain respects. Um, as to whether the left will come for censor, I think he, they will, because obviously he gives different people different amounts of presence. Uh, they'll have to change the, um, well, they just have to replace his face with Karl Marx instead. And so you give everybody equal presence. Um, that would be, uh, I imagine, an obvious move uh, with that respect. So, yeah, the left will definitely come after him at some point if they haven't already. Um, and yeah, Santa Claus is fine. I have no objection to it. Well, the the uh, sort of mold-bugging neo-reactionaries would agree with you that they eventually come after him because they should have interpret them as this. They interpret them as sort of one long line of the same thing. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, final point here. What do you make of um, Christmas um, with respect to uh, – I want to retouch the present giving. Um, I want to retouch the present giving. Uh, what would be the ideal um, – I haven't sort of rehearsed this question here, but I've been thinking about it. What would be the ideal present giving here with respect in general here? Um, is it the same amount? Is it more? You know, what you – know, from the articles you gave me on its origins here, um, you know, it actually originated from, uh, uh, I think, uh, European monarch, uh, British monarch here that uh, started this sort of what we see as present giving here. Uh, uh, now, of course, you, you take the Marxist Graeber line. They, they, and actually, for the matter of Rothbard, they steal the servants wealth and they give it back to them as gifts. Um, um, but anyway, what, what, not less cynically here, um, what in general, if you could, you know, sketch out a model here would be I, I, I contra Tyler Cowan contra the economic efficientizers it probably does have a somewhat useful thing here but the funny thing is if, if I give you a $20 gift card you give me a $20 well gift cards if I give you 20 euros you give me 20 euros or whatever I don't know why I said euros um um pounds um um in a way it's sort of a neutral trade it makes no sense here they just sort of toss twenty dollars back and forth. Um, there may be a joke that appeared in a movie like that. Um, um, you know, I you know, I think I think it was with, with with cheap sweaters or something like that. Um, um, but you know, what is the economic you know basis under here, Swithin? So just to clarify, are you primarily thinking about um, if someone gives you something, should you give them back something of equal value, or? Um, or greater, is, or less. Or, or greater. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Or am I just being overly economically autistic? No, That's no, no. I mean, I mean, people certainly do feel the obligation to do that. If somebody has more money than they do and they give them a gift, 
uh, and it has and it clearly has great value. They kind of think, well, they're in. This is what I'm saying is this is why some people don't like getting gifts. Actually, is because they feel like they're indebted to somebody who gives them, and they and some people don't like feeling in debt to anybody, uh, especially if they don't think that they can repay it. So uh, some people dislike being given something of great value if they can only give something of little value um, to somebody else. Now, on a very basic level, uh, in a certain sense. You could never give someone uh, a gift of equal value. Um, well, no, actually, no, you could. Uh, no, I, I was thinking here the idea of any voluntary exchange. Uh, both parties must um, value each item uh, differently, one higher and one lower, otherwise they would never trade. But so that so you you could in principle do that. That's how you work that out is another question. So you could give it. I think it depends on how much income you have i mean if somebody is a lot richer than you then i think it's perfectly reasonable to for them to give you something of significantly higher value than you can return to them now the main difficulty there is for the poor man to try and find something that the rich man doesn't have and can be of value to him uh, and that's where maybe like personalized presence or things that uh the individual who's sort of created themselves for instance um and that that's kind of something uh that they could do i mean so so for instance i mean this was just a card and the example i did um so i i, I did sort of like a, a game of thrones inspired um birthday card for my wife which had sort of her in as sort of like a character it's not necessarily as elaborate as it sounds, um, but um, you could do things like that. And even though it doesn't have that great monetary value, it kind of shows dedication and sort of is is valued by the recipients, even though it might not have huge exchange value. Um, I think as well, I think some people's aversions to getting gifts of differential value is an egalitarianism. Um, you know, if somebody, so for instance, if I was really rich, which I'm not, and if anyone wants to make me rich, Please let me please make me rich. That's fine. Um, I wouldn't think that I want need people to give me gifts of equal value that I bestowed on them. So that's nice to get. One of the nice to is appreciate to help them out. And I can give you lots of stuff that you like. But I have no expectation that they give me something of greater value. I, I think that's a, a more modern egalitarian thing. I mean, um, when you have sort of you mentioned the Apple stamp, um, the have very much like the noblesse oblige and like well okay they have more and so you should just um bestow more um so uh, and the peasantry shouldn't really be expected to sort of do much as of being given a gift and they you know you don't need to give anything back that's fine now of course you could argue economically speaking they're sort of being expropriated and various things like that but um even assuming they weren't i still think that dynamic is not necessarily unhealthy uh, so, but the basic thing is when it comes to presence is figuring out, you know, what you can reasonably afford and go with that. And, but I think what tends to happen is people who are friends and family, they tend to be of similar economic station. And that's where you get the idea that um, you get more of an equality of presence, as it were, um, rather than an inequality. So to what extent the inequality, and I, I'm, I'm highlighting here is going to be likely is another question. Um, but I, I do think inequality sort of gift giving is perfectly fine and kind of good in certain respects. 
because it would kind of be weird that someone was really rich and gave like a really small value present because the other poor man could only give a small value present to the rich man. That would seem strange and um, be looking at things from a, too much of like an abstract view rather than the, looking at your sort of specific finances and situation and what can you, you know, what can you reasonably afford? What would be, as I say, just, it's kind of a weird concept use the word just, or what would be reasonable in that situation? Uh, so th- those are some uh, some overall thoughts I would have with respect to uh, appropriate uh, sort of gift giving. Well, that's really my final uh, comment slash question here. I'll make a short concluding statement. Um, the uh, what's interesting here is I was in the early part that uh, Ayn Rand being secular um, likes Christmas and the sort of the Cromwell types dislike Christmas here. And even in the gift giving, the gift giving gets complicated here, and and um, it's sort of as you say, the politics of gift giving get complicated here because people are, are uh, in a way, fundamentally unequal. Now, whether that's because of society or that's because of other factor. Um, so even gift giving. So, you know, if you listen to sort of left wing anarchist economists like a David Graeber, I've been re- working through his works recently, um, you know, gift giving, which is what their ideal they want. And sort of Christmas represents itself has a sort of problematic undertone here, which is one of the reasons why I asked you the question about. You know, will the left come for Santa Claus? I think actually they will. Um, um, although I don't, although I don't know, it's it's unclear here. Uh, maybe to each his own necessity or something like that. Um, um, so you know, overall, I, I would say I would say that I'm somewhat of a curmudgeon towards Christmas in a sense here, um, because I do think I do think certain you know because like certain Catholics of the right sort of traditional types will on the one hand be against consumerism, but like Christmas. And you get the Protestants who like consumerism but don't actually like Christmas that much. And you get all sorts of random variations here. Um, so I, I think Christmas is interesting, um, to say the least. Um, but I guess I guess we should have more Rand and less trauma maybe towards Christmas. Uh, but And since I'm releasing this episode roughly around Christmas, Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas or whatever you want to say. Or 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 maybe um, uh, it's a get out a wicked uh or a uh, drunken orgy so saith calvin swith uh, as 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 i um sort of outline I, I i think the approach is uh the the appropriate one is a a sort of like a, a fusing of sort of um randianism uh, randian approach to christmas with um traditional christian theology of of christmas um is 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 it were the golden mean we want lots of christ and lots of stuff they don't you don't have to choose and having both is the optimal thing obviously there's a rank order of preference but um if you put christ front and center and you get lots of stuff all for the better and that's that's the way that's the way um uh, I, I would I would go with that. Just now, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this uh, podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And please subscribe to us on Podbeam and YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in search rankings, and the more people can uh, access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindcryingliberty show at gmail.com. That's mindcryingliberty show at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.